My name is Elizabeth Ann Helm Frazier. I am a retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant E-8. My name is uh, Commander Carlton G. Philpott, United States Navy, retired. I'm the chairman and project director of the 688 Monument and the Buffalo Soldier Educational Historical Committee. Can you both tell me what inspired both of you to help tell the story of the 6888? What inspired me was I always saw this photo when I was in the Army of this Black woman inspecting Black women. And for several years, I asked, well, where is that unit? Because that's the unit that I want to be, be in, because it was Black women who looked like me. And it wasn't until probably the early 90s <clears throat> that when I said that, this guy said to me, he says, you know, I, I think that's a World War II unit. In fact, I'm pretty sure, you know, looking at the uniforms. And of course, the internet was not what it was then. So there was very little information, but I, I would always see it. So fast forward to January of 2002, I was joining a Army Women's Veterans Association, the Northern Chapter, the Northern Virginia Chapter 33 of Northern Virginia. And they had announced the death of Charity Adams early. And it was like, oh, okay. And it wasn't until they showed the picture of this black woman inspecting these black women. And I was like, what? And they was like, yeah, that's charity. And this lady gave me this book. And it is, and that was 2002. And even today, it is still one of the best books. I have a book list, a reading list that I put out every year, and this book is always on it. And so you see, I got these little fly, these little things here. Okay, those are my favorite parts in the book. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a great read. I, 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 have, I have just finished it up again. I finished it in April uh, for the fifth time. And I'm probably going to read it again. And then fast forward to January of 2018. Someone gave me a flyer and said, Liz, this, this is what you do. You, you do this right here. And so I'm reading the flyer. And it was like, oh, building a monument for the 6th AAA Commander Carlton Philpot. Well, first of all, I thought they already had a monument. Okay. So I wrote my check. And I wrote a letter telling Mr. Philpott who I was and what could I do to help, okay? Never write a letter to Commander Philpott asking for help because he is going to call you, okay? <laughs> and so he, I, I, I called him and then he called me back and he said, Liz, there's a Colonel Cummings that live in Laurel too. You guys can be the East Coast Monument team. And I was like, oh, okay. And the rest is history, as they say.
Uh, my involvement with the eight monuments that I've been to spearhead over the last 30 plus years was an accident on all of them, especially the Buffalo Soldier Monument, as was the 688. We had just finished obtaining a postage stamp to the Buffalo Soldiers. And I heard about this group of black women meeting downtown at the Marriott in Kansas City, Missouri. So I rode down, it was right during happy hour, I guess, social hour. And now looking back, the lady that I had talked to was uh, Abby Noel Campbell, the ex-lo. And she was telling me a story. And I said, well, someone ought to do a monument to your unit. And uh, I thought it was a six alpha, alpha, alpha. <laughs> I didn't know it was a six, eight, eight, eight. And so there it stayed for about 20 years. And that's when uh, we had just finished the Colin Powell Monument 2014. And uh, I said, let's, let's, let's do this one. And that's, that's how it started. And the first Facebook post was by Senator Moran's office, the U.S. Senator from Kansas. And we had no designs anything. We had a lot of designs eventually. We settled on this one. And the lady that I talked to, a lot of people, women did not want the monument done. And some were African-American women. Some felt it should be done, the monument to all Black women in the military. Others didn't see why it should be at Fort Leavenworth. And my reply to the, all the the one for everybody, I said, well, let's everybody put up some money. <laughs> but the reason is that Fort Leavenworth is that there's a historical train connection between the Buffalo Soldiers Monument and the 688 Monument. The 688 was stationed there, but the train is this. The Buffalo Soldiers, up until July 1866, Blacks fought in every conflict of this country. And women were spies in those things. But it was not until 1866 that they were, they were part of it, but they only came in after the conflict started and it was over with, they put them out. But in 1866, they were allowed to join during peacetime and to serve during peacetime. Because they did things well, then it opened up the doors for all other black males in all other services. And when I looked at the 688, and they were the first group of predominant black women to deploy overseas, women Army Corps, I say, now that is connection, but they performed so well. And it just did not open up the doors for black women. It opened up the doors for all women in the military, in my opinion. So that is a historical connection between the two. And, uh, I remember talking to Sergeant Millie Dunvisi of, of uh, Richmond, Virginia, and we finally had a design. And I flew to Richmond to get her opinion on it. I had talked to another lady in uh, Louisiana about the project. And all this time, people did not want it. There was no encouragement. Sergeant Millie Dunvisi said, do it. I like what you're doing. And that was the encouragement that we needed to get started. So I think when we started, you could Google 6888 
and you will probably get one or two hits. Now it's all over the place. And another lady that deserves a lot of credit and she does not get it is Dr. Brenda Moore, a professor at New York University. She wrote the first definitive book on the 688. And, uh, and she wrote it from a sociological perspective. And she had a lot of details in it. So that was the encouragement to go forward. And in the book that uh, Master Sergeant showed you, uh, by Chad Adams was a, uh, was a great uh, source of information. As both of you started deep diving into the 6888, uh, what was it like meeting members and really getting a first count basis? Almost like hitting the jackpot. <clears throat> I say that because there were actually, at the time, three living in the area that I live in. I live in Laurel, Maryland. And at the time, there was three living in the Washington, D.C. area. The first one that I met, it was Mr. Philpot that said, Liz, I need you to go over there to PFC Rudolph House and tell her that she is coming to the monument dedication. And I'm just like, Okay, but like, didn't you say she was like 93? Oh, I mean, come on. Yeah, but you go over there because you were E8 and she was an E3. I was just like, yeah, okay. So I, Miss Rudock and I lived at the time about 20 minutes away. I live in Laurel and she lived in Mount Rainier. Okay. And so I go and meet her. And the first first thing she said to me was, Tell Carlton, I am not getting on the airplane. I said, oh, okay. Well, we can talk about that later. What I found out was in talking with her that she and I were both uh, a member of the same women's club, the Northern Virginia Chapter 33, but they didn't make the connection. Her first name is Dolores. She spells it I-S. My mother's first name is Dolores and she spells it E-S. But Miss Rudock says everybody else spells it wrong. She spells it right. Everybody else spells it wrong. Miss Rudock's birthday is September 16th, and my birthday is September 14th. And so we just kind of, I guess, mushed. Um, then there was Mrs. Campbell. Mrs. Campbell was living in the area at the time in um in a facility. She was the one that went up in the World War II airplane. Um, Miss Hunt Martin, who just had a post office renamed after her in, in uh, Buffalo. Her daughter, Janice, lives in Laurel too. So me, Janice, and Etna all live about five minutes from each other. So it was a real treat to have those three and then to actually go and meet all of the other women, Miss Miss Romay, Mrs. McClendon, who's the, the, the only one that is actually retired Air Force, Miss Robinson, who is the youngest of the group up in, <clears throat> up in Wisconsin, and then Mrs. King, who lives out in Las Vegas and um, is the story that Tyler Perry is going to tell in the upcoming Netflix movie. So it it is, even now, it's, it's still a true treasure to have gotten to know these women very personally. 
I, uh, when I started the Buffalo Soldier Project, it was truly by accident without going into details. I guess I made my detailer angry and he sent me out to uh, Fort Leavenworth. I fought all of it, it turned out to be a great opportunity. And all of these projects are the projects that the hand of Providence built. Having never done anything like this before, I often wonder why me, but not a great period of time. I got very close to the Buffalo Soldier, but with regards to the women, it was different. The Buffalo Soldier was more of a respect. For the women, it was more of a loving obligation and commitment to give them the best that was available for them. I'm still fighting that. I know we're not, not going to talk about it. I'm still fighting that with the Congressional Gold Medal. They need something that highlights their achievement. And as great as the key people that they focus on, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Charity Adams, I have great respect for her. We, as a matter of fact, we built a $50,000 monument to her. It's on top of the monument at Fort Leavenworth. But these women would need the world to know that it was them who went inside those five or six aircraft hangars that stunk rats and rodents, was cold, poorly uh, lit, broken windows. As a matter of fact, the lady I talked to in Louisiana, three of them came back to the States right away with pneumonia. And so that is achievement. And just to clarify, I became very close during the two or three years that we worked on the monument from 2015 until it was dedicated in late 2018. I got to know the family members of about 15 or 16 of them. And the story is like one lady could not talk about the 688 until her husband died. She was a censor reading for the letters that went in and out. I know that in the Pacific, those that read the censor letters had to have psychological counseling because of the contents, I guess the very loving comments that men and women separated right in letters. And they were overjoyed and without an exception, all of them said and still say, I did not anybody cared. I did not think anybody remembered. But they must be remembered in the best light. And yes. that is how I got involved. And that's my relationship to them. And every time one dies, I die. Yes. And as well way with the Buffalo Soldiers, but it's different with the women. You can call it chauvinistic or what. But it just seems so grateful so vulnerable, not in the sense of uh, weakness, but in the sense that no one had told their story to open it like this. So that you asked me, how, that's how I felt. And each time I talk to one now, or their family members, it's a very spiritual feeling for me. And uh, I think it's one of the, of all the projects, all the eight projects that we've, that I was fortunate, fortunate enough to be involved in this one, is special, very special to me, emotionally. And uh, you can have commitment to do something and finish it, but this one has, in addition to a commitment, an obligation to fight the powers to be and those who see things differently. 
it is a wonderful project. And to see that when those women came here, Senator Moran, Senator Moran did everything that we needed to have done. We wanted the army. They never got uh, meritorious unit accommodation from the army. They never had a parade when they left. They didn't have a parade when they came back. So when we did the dedication in November, we gave them a parade. And the people in the car with us say those women were crying as they rode in front of the schools and the cheerleaders in the band and all the kids out there were signs, was cheering for them. I think that this is an excellent thing that you're doing. And Liz just told me that a, a, a professor New Nebraska is, is writing a course. That has always been the objective of all projects for the educational people to get it into the educational system. So we've done a presentation, middle school, elementary school, up to graduate school, professionals, night school, and military units. So this is uh, a finished project. You talked about the event at Fort Leavenworth and then uh, in Buffalo, the uh, post office naming ceremony. And then I'm in Virginia. So uh, Charity Adams being uh, one of the names of the new fort. Uh, what does it mean to both of you to see all your work continue to carry these uh, legacies and she deserves all the recognition that she can get and i think what needs to be told is to connect the various parts of the history of the white charity Adam, a couple reasons why she could not be court-martialed while she was in europe and through the process we found out that the first black major whack was an advisor to Mary McLeod Bethune before, Associate Secretary to Mary McLeod Bethune, before she joined the WAC. And after she got, she was an advisor to Ovita Harvey Cup, the first director of the WAC, and, he, and um, Mrs. Roosevelt. Her name was uh, Harriet Wadi West. And so she became the first black major. Then in the process, we found out that when she died in Vegas, she did not have a military burial. And only one person attended her funeral. So my wife and I, we at our own expense, went out and worked with a female veterans group. We gave her, gave her a military service and a burial. So you get these personal feelings. And so I think that um, the 688 is a great story. It will always be dear to my heart. And I will always fight for them to get the quality and level of recognition that they deserve not what other people think. I wonder what the facts say. The facts said that they did these things. And the medal should reflect those facts. And the current design now does not do that. But, uh, but the fact that it got the medal, and I give Colonel Crumlin all the credit for doing the initiative to get that medal done. And, um, and the women are very grateful for it. But you don't have to be grateful to take something second class. First of all, Michael, if you get us to talking about six triple eight, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Okay. Um, first of all, I I wanna say that all of the the awards and dedications and 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 roads and now post office, that all happened because one man had a dream to build a monument. And that was Commander Philpot. <clears throat> Everything else that has happened happened because of that initial um, monument. It is a great honor to now see 
Fort Lee now being Fort Greg Adams. Lieutenant General Art uh, Greg is, is 96. He lives down there in Manassas. Um, I talked to him a couple of weeks and he is just as excited as we are that he shares the name with Charity Adams early. That to me was just like the big wow that a post that had existed for years and years and years, not taking anything away from General Lee, um, is now bearing the name of not one, but two African-Americans. And when Lieutenant General Gregg was a lieutenant and serving there at the time it was Camp Lee, was not allowed to go into the officer club because of his color. Now that same officer club is now named Club Greg Adams. How about that? To have other awards that they have they have gotten, um, it even though it's it's 70, 75 years later, I am glad that I am seeing that they are getting what they should have gotten back then. Um, to be at the ceremony for the post office, I, I, I tell you, it was, it was very touching. The weather was absolutely beautiful. And everybody in Buffalo said, weather is never this good, okay? <laughs> but to, to be at that ceremony, and that was the post office that Miss Hunt Martin went to every day to buy stamps, pick up letter, whatever. So she called it her post office anyway. <laughs> so now, now it's official, yeah. <laughs> it bears her name. So the unit, in all of their work, it comes right back to the mail and a post office. How about that? And uh, the same thing happened. Uh, the uh, she said I keeps telling this the Hannah Providence project, and I, when we dedicated that monument, we were sucking air. We didn't have two thousand dollars in the bank when it was over with. But as things happened, the money showed up. But the week before, the weekend before, oh, I was in St. Louis with my grandkids and my daughter, and my wife and I had to get off the road because of a blizzard. Yeah, there in Missouri and Fort Levin. These women arrived on Wednesday and it stopped snowing. On it's Thursday, good. it was cold. On Thursday, when we took them down to the monument to see it for the first time, for two hours, the sun came out and it warmed up a little bit. We stayed mm -hmm. too long and it got cold for them. And on the, you'll see the picture with blankets wrapped around them. On the day of the dedication, we had to break. The sun came out just as bright as springtime mm -hmm. and uh they started leaving on sunday and it started snowing again mm -hmm. and so people don't realize all of those things and there's much work to be done and i hope that in this product in this conversation we can get to some common factual errors that you see often and for since that dedication i have spent mo most of my time correct factual errors and even when you give people the correct information 
they still insist on using what they read, seen. And one lady in Virginia for TV program for Black History, I gave her the actual facts. And but when she did the program, I said, why didn't you use the facts? She said, I used what was written, I seen written the most. And other programs, I know that when the lady in Vegas was interviewed, and I worked with the team for the television, I won't call the program, I told them these are the common mistakes, but they still insist on doing it. Let's start with some common mistakes. First of all, the 688 did not deliver mail. They sorted the mail, they censored the mail, they repackaged the mail, they retrieved the mail, but they did not deliver the mail. In Paris, when the people were hungry, they started stealing the mail. The ladies had to go out and collect it back in. And the other thing is, you hear the term seven million an awful lot. That they serve seven million people. That is not correct. That seven million number came from this. There's a directory list, 688 Central Postal Directory. There's a postal directory list. And each time, when you change, if you left where you live now and went someplace else, you would have to fill out a what? Locator card. Change the address. Yeah. Well, they had changed the locator cards. Time those men move and women move, they fill out that card. And if and if you haven't had in the mail in over two years, how many cards are you going to fill out? So over two or three year period of time, seven million names was in that directory not the number that they sorted mail for. Among that 7 million, there were thousands of duplicates. And oh, Charity oh. Adams mentioned that in her book. So during the first month of February, they had to go through and sanitize that list. And that number of mail sorted at that particular time was low. And so when somebody said, they got the congressional mail for sorting mail, that is not correct. They got the congressional gold medal for the amount of mail they sorted yeah, yeah, yeah. and the hardships of sitting working in those cold places rats locked up rotten food and stuff like that and moving mail bags you got one picture of a lady sitting on the top of a mail bag that you can see the black curtains over the window and the ceiling mm -hmm. at the top imagine five or six super walmarts empty with stacks of mail that high and so before and the other thing is, like I said, ninety-five percent of the things I read and hear by those who advocate for them, those family members, and I just sent the lady who's writing the uh, lesson. Be happy to take a look at your uh, lesson plan if you desire, because and even uh, I saw a video about a World War II museum. They said that they're all African American, and we all thought that because that's what we all read. But as we got into this. They're not all African-American women in that unit. They're predominantly Black. But you had Puerto Ricans, you had Mexican, and one lady in the unit, her mother was Austria. And so some people did not want to give her that all Black category. And it's all, it really was not, Truman did not say, Roosevelt did not designate it all Black. Those troops were called Negro and colored during that particular time. And uh, so... That's a common area. Seven million, they delivered mail, and you hear three million and all of that type of stuff. And they did not just deliver mail to army troops. 
It was all of the military branches, the services, the civilians, the Red Cross, the politicians, and their aides. And it stretched to the ships out in the ocean, over to the Mideast. So they covered a lot of territory. And so when you tell somebody that, like the TV program, I want to say, they delivered 17 million that stay in Europe. Now they did almost 17 million in 90 days. That mm -hmm. is a big difference. And they came in at the beginning of February toward the end of World War II. The Battle of the Bulge was over with, and our patent was taking supplies from everybody. But the 6888 went over. It was more, it was three all predominant black postal units. Two went to uh, Arizona, Fort Huachuca, and the 688 went overseas. I have not found out yet how they got the designation. I've been looking for that. And so I pulled out a picture when I went to the National Archives. As a matter of fact, none of the Black postal units was listed to the Army Directory of being a postal unit. I went through all the pictures for several hours. I saw this one picture. I thought it was the postal unit, Black postal unit. Six triple eight. It wasn't a white post unit in the Quonset hut. And on the back, during the month of December 1944, they did 624,000 or 642,000 letters during the month of December. These women average 65,000 every eight hours and three hour shifts. And so if you extrapolate that, three times 65,000 is 195,000 a day. Multiply it by 30, that's 5.85 million a day. And you take that time about 90 days when they left England, days. that's almost 17 million. And so you have to extrapolate and understand that's an average. And those women work more than eight hours a day when you talk to them. And in England, those, and I'll show those bags are very big. They didn't have any help in England as they had in Rouen, France, and Paris, France. They had German prisoners in Paris, France, and they had civilian in Paris, and ruined France in Paris, France. They had women helping them, civilian women. So these ladies did their most achievement in England. Record breaking. They broke all armored records, redirected mail. They didn't just sort it, they redirected and they developed a new postal system that more effective than when they got there. So just say that they sorted mail as a misnomer. The images of the lady standing shoulder to shoulder on the Congressional Gold Medal, they can do that out of military boot camp. And a lady putting a postal card into a slot, every postal clerk does that. But Congress say it must be distinctive achievements that are long lasting even after the deed has been done. So that's my argument. There's no achievements on any of the on either side of the Congressional Gold Medal. I may lose this battle, but these women need to have the fight for it. But anyway, those are some misnomers. One, seven million, heard three million. I've heard that uh, they delivered mail. They just sorted mail. No, they did more than just sort mail. They censored it, they redirected it, they repackaged it. And they went through the list of names like Bubba and Junior, stuff like that. And there was 75,000 names 7,500 names with derivation of Robert Smith. They had the serial numbers on those change of location cards. So the first month wasn't as high sorting as the rest of them. So that's the story behind the 688. And I hope that these common errors 
will be corrected in the near future. But people refuse. I saw it written, so therefore it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> but your programs like yours, Mr. Benzetta, I think is excellent. People like Liz, who's dedicated, she runs, she's always doing a charity run, but Liz wrote about 100 letters, all at her own money. Had people send stuff to me. So I think that, I hope this program will correct some things. And I hope that the movie does a great job of mixing entertainment with facts. But I've been very disappointed when it comes to the story of the Buffalo Soldiers, uh, even the, the USS Indianapolis, about all the documentaries. Don't talk about 28 black settlers that one board. And the one movie that was done showed black settlers surviving that Japanese sinking that the USS Indianapolis in July 1945. None survived. So those are the types of things that mix, hopefully they mix with entertainment and everything. But Liz, I appreciate Liz and all of those individuals that came in and you may have an idea, but the questions and things that people have made the project better. And another guy that we owe great credit to is Eddie Dixon, a master sculptor from Lubbock, Texas. He has donated every statue yep. that we have. I say donated. I paid him some money and say, Mr. Dix, how much the field pot pay you? He say, when he runs out of money. <laughs> so I run out of money a lot of times. <laughs> but, uh, we a great uh, Providence had a hand on this project. And I think Providence will continue to have a hand on this one. And so you guys talked a lot about uh, getting in colleges, universities, night schools. What name, what have you. How important is it to have a true understanding of history to impact the future? When you look at history, looking back on history, you see not only the good part of history, but you see the mistakes that were made. You see the bad of, of the history. And so if you look back on that, use those lessons to, to for now, to, to educate now and to educate correctly. You know, uh, um, people say, oh, you know, and, and there are, you know, I've talked to several people that said they shouldn't, shouldn't have changed uh, the post name, um, that it's, for them, it's always gonna be this, you know, in this case, Fort Lee, okay. Um, you, so I, I think as we use history and look back on history and try to correct some of the things that was done now, then 50 years from now, when all of us are long gone, hopefully they'll still be telling the story correctly to get the facts straight, because that is what matters, is the facts. The truth is, is what matters. He's right. I know that uh, I often say that no matter who you are, when you die for this country, everybody's blood is red. But too often, when historians, especially military historians, write history, they write it inaccurately and with invisible ink. <clears throat> and uh, and so. When they, so when you read things that said that the Buffalo soldiers were cowards, are these women sorted 17 million letters in 12 months? That's wrong. If a guy run, runs 
a thousand yards a season, like Jim Brown did maybe in 10 games. Another guy who runs a nine, 16 game, that's not the same level of achievement. And so when these ladies say, well, just saying 17 million is not enough, you must compare it with what's written on the back of the white post office, postal unit picture, 624,000 in a month. These ladies did 5.85 million in a month. That is significantly different. And uh, keep it, I have not found yet not this honorable discharge that these women that I've read about yet. And uh, when I, after the dedication was over, I found out that Miss uh, Lena King, the one in Vegas, was doing the movie about, I walked into her house, she said, Philpott, my best friend was named Alma Philpott. Uh -huh. I didn't think anything. I was after the dedication was over. I went back and a friend of mine did a, went back six generations in my history and she is a daughter of my grandfather by a second marriage. And she joined in Philadelphia right along with Lena Bell King. So I didn't know about that personal connection. But it's important to tell it accurately. So, so many times, even in professional lives, you hear Blacks saying, my achievements are minimized and my mistakes are maximized in my evaluations. And one, one professor, my director of my department told me, you put too many details in your evaluation. Come to find out everybody's there, just a minute detail. Mm -hmm. We could only find the fact that I couldn't operate computers too well. And so I think that uh, these women and everyone who served this country deserve accurate uh, documentation. Of it. And then so when we were doing the draft of the Congressional Gold Medals, important, I got involved in that. Because important, whatever's in that Congressional Gold Medal, medal is going to be a document that researchers 50 years from now will use as fact. And there were errors in it. But just you know, working with someone behind the scenes, we were able to correct most of those date and factual errors. And that's important. One person said, well, we don't care whether it's accurate or not, just just uh, just so they get the medal. It does matter. And uh, it, your paycheck, where they put that decimal point, <laughs> it's a small Bad. thing. It means an awful lot. That matters. <laughs> okay. And that comma means an awful lot. But I focus on the good, not those that did not want the monument, but those who did and those who did not support it, but the ones who did support it. You'd be surprised. How many people walked up and donated things? The guy that I had breakfast with every Saturday when I scheduled it, you need some lights? I said, yeah. I said, well, I'll let my I'll give you the lights. I have my electrician come over and do it. He took me to someone else, and they gave us the money. Uh, the company gave us the money, uh, Burns and McDonald, that uh, allowed me to pay for all the costs for all the five, six, eight ladies in there escorts, family members to come to the dedication. Like I said, we were sucking air when it was over with. They had a big old limousine, not limousine, a Sprinter van. They really enjoyed They're still talking about that now. So what in my situation, I don't mind not I just don't want anybody to take credit. But these women, for them to say thank you and to see the tears in their eyes 
means more to me and I think to Liz than anything else. I think when people tell their story and they tell it accurately, not how they wished it would be, but how it was, and there's good and bad in it. But for these ladies, I have not found anything bad in it at all. 